Welcome to Water Spout, brought to you by the St. John's River Water Management District. Water Spout offers a behind-the-scenes look at how we conduct our work, the research, the projects, our partnerships, and most important, how we serve the community by balancing the needs of water for the environment, businesses, and the people in the Sunshine State. Welcome to this episode of Water Spout. I'm your host, Tiffany Cowie, and today we're going to learn about the respiration of former muck farms that were transformed into a haven for wildlife and recreation, Lake Apopka. I'm joined by Dr. Eric Marzoff, the Director of the Division of Water and Land Resources. Eric, thank you so much for taking time to come talk to us today. My pleasure. This should be fun. I think so. Let's do this. First, I would love to just hear what brought you into the realm of science, into this career path. Oh, my father was a scientist, and so as a kid, I got drug along on his adventures and field trips and field work, and it just rubbed off. It was contagious. It looked like a fun thing to be walking through streams and lakes and going on boats. So it uh, started early on, and I didn't even know it. I imagine maybe earlier in your career, you got an opportunity to do those type of things. Where did you get your start? Um... I went to college in Colorado, a small school there in the foothills, and didn't really have anything to do with water there. Learned a lot of things about mountains and deserts, and then went to the University of California, Davis, to study aquatic systems. Um, Subalpine lakes to subtropical Florida, it all makes sense. I guess there's some, some sense in there. So when you came aboard the district, is 1996? 1994. Tell us about the work you were doing then. Uh, I was hired to be part of the team looking at what was going on Lake Jessup. So a lot of interest in this very wild, big metro lake in uh, Orlando. And there was just a lot of unknown about the lake. And so it was first setting up some diagnostic work, begin water quality sampling on a bigger scale, and just thinking about what can we do to help this lake. And from there, where did you go? Um, that was uh, working there was part of the upper basin team, so that was you know part of the district's biggest project at that time. And eventually, a position opened up on Lake Apopka after the district was directed to buy the muck farms, and that occupied the next chunk of my career here. And now we find you as division director. Tell us a bit about your division and what you're responsible for. Well, we think of ourselves as a data-driven, science-driven agency, and that means that we need a source of good, reliable, high-quality data. So one of the groups I work with, that's their prime focus, is gathering hydrology, water quality, any sort of data that we need to make decisions and um, do good work to improve our water resources. So that's one group. Um, The other group I work with is our land resources team. They manage the lands that the district has in their portfolio, largely wetlands and floodplains, and they are responsible for managing those properties so that they give us the goods and services that we all want, you know, flood protection, water quality, treatment, habitat for all sorts of um, animals and plants that we have an interest in. And the last group I work with are our kind of our restoration sciences, our water, um, water resources group. 
and they're one of the big consumers of the data that are collected by water resource information. And so they're looking at data, trying to essentially diagnose unhealthy water bodies and come up with prescriptions that are projects that improve those water bodies. And then we um, work with our projects team to get projects implemented to help reverse the impairment or whatever the problem was that was diagnosed. So always something new, new properties, new issues. So it's been a lot of fun and never a dull moment. No, I wouldn't think so with all of that. You mentioned land management. What are some of the ways that the district manages land? I think the most important tool is um, prescribed fire. Um, the vast majority of Florida's landscapes are adapted to fire, and some of them need it to be healthy. And it's by far the most cost-effective tool we have to manage landscapes. And then there's the flip side, which is preventing and preventing the major harm that could come with wildfire. So a landscape that has been periodically burned is much less likely to have a devastating wildfire. And so it's part of our efforts to make sure we're a good neighbor, that we're not a place where um, a big wildfire is going to be problematic for us <clears throat> or our neighbors. And we have quite the team that does that work, right? Yes. Yeah, virtually everyone in our Land Resources Bureau has somewhere on their progress towards um, uh, prescribed burn um, understanding. And we've got folks in other parts of the district who either from past life have some experience or have an interest, and so they will help pay to get them trained so that they can help out on fires. All right. I think one of the more interesting parts is really what we see in Governing Board from your hydrologic conditions report. Can you share a bit about that area? The hydrologic conditions report is actually something that's required that be given to the board each month. And it's a snapshot. We kind of look at some canaries in the coal mine of water bodies, whether it's flow from a spring or water levels on the lake or a river, um, rainfall, just to try and give the governing board some baseline information to help them make their decisions. You know, I think our, our role as staff and especially the science staff is to help them make well-considered um, decisions based on the best available data and science we can provide. Great. I look forward to picking up this conversation right after this break. The St. John's River Water Management District is committed to preserving and protecting Florida's water resources for generations to come. From improving water use efficiency and reclaiming water for reuse, to managing water resources in times of wet and dry periods, the St. John's River Water Management District is taking action on conserving Florida's precious waters. To learn more, visit sjrwmd.com. Welcome back to Water Spout. I'm joined today by Dr. Eric Marozoff, Director of the Division of Water and Land Resources for the district. We're delving into the projects and restoration efforts at Lake Apopka. Tell us a little about Lake Apopka in general, Eric, for those who don't know, and then we look forward to hearing about the projects that are out there. Well, <clears throat> Lake Apopka was actually Central Florida's first tourist attraction. Going back to the late 1800s, early 1900s, it was a well-known place for fishing and hunting. 
The lake was ringed by fish camps and hunting lodges, all based around the natural resources of a clear water lake with lots of vegetation that attracted world-class fishing and duck hunting. And uh, that uh, was that all changed uh, when in the 1940s, the legislature approved for the North Shore to be um, diked off and drained and put into agricultural production for the war effort. And that activity, the increase in um, removing the floodplain and the farming on the North Shore increased the phosphorus loading to the lake um, substantially to the point where the algae, you add nutrients to anything, your garden, your lawn, a lake, you're going to grow plants. In this case, we grew lots of algae on the lake and that shaded light from reaching the bottom. And so those plants that used to be <clears throat> the um, base of the food chain for the <clears throat> plants, um, plants, fish, and ducks um, went away. And once that went away, all the fish camps, all the hunting lodges around the lake went the same way. Um, in the 80s, the legislature directed the district to begin working on plans to restore Apopka. I think in part because it's such a large ecosystem and because it's the headwaters of the entire Oklawaha system. So that and shortly following the swim plan legislation, so the district was one of the original swim plan water bodies. Was what does pocket. that stand for? Uh, surface Water and Improvement and Management. So that was a program between the water management districts and the Department of Environmental Protection sharing costs to implement projects to improve water bodies. Um, we did an awful lot of work diagnosing what was the harm to Apopka and what was the cause of the harm. And we demonstrated that um, the contribution, the runoff from those farms was responsible for the vast majority of the increase in phosphorus loading. And we got into attempting to regulate the discharges from the farms that brought us into court. And ultimately the legislature came back in 1996 and said, yes, you do have the authority to regulate those discharges. The water quality target that you've been working on is set at 55 parts per billion. And by the way, we want you to buy the farms on the North Shore as a means to reduce the phosphorus loading to the lake. <clears throat> and that set us off on the very different trajectory of how do we take muck farms and convert them back into the wetlands they were as a way to improve Lake Apopka. And that's something we've been working on. You know, we closed on those farms in the late 90s and have been working to restore those wetlands <clears throat> on those properties and have done a good job in reducing the amount of phosphorus that comes off those areas back to the lake. And in response, the concentration of phosphorus in the lake has been declining. And this past year, 2022, our mean annual concentration went below our target for the first time. So Congratulations. That a, yeah, that was a big, big effort for the whole district, for our agency and um, partners. So that was a, a big milestone. And it's also been very gratifying because as we approach that 
concentration target over the past couple years, the vegetation, which was the whole point of the target, has been coming back and now the vegetation in the lake is growing very rapidly and including hydrilla, which is a management challenge, but it's gratifying to see that that not only was the target that was set so many decades ago really spot on, but our efforts have to reduce that loading have worked and now we're seeing the lake respond. It is a fantastic and interesting story. When you talk about projects that help to reduce the nutrients that really led to the success, what does that look like? Well, the key was really the North Shore wetlands were, um, they're based on peat soils, really organic um, soils that eat, they were so organic that when you dried them, you could light them like a piece of wood. So very rich, um, the um, farms were able to do up to three rotations a year. So extraordinarily productive on these rich soils. But those rich soils mean they've got lots of nutrients. And in the process of drying them, you make those nutrients become available. Um, so the key for us from the lake's perspective was we needed to stop drying those soils, stop plowing them, get them wet again so that they're not oxidizing and releasing their nutrients. And once you get them wet, all of a sudden you're managing wetlands. And so that was what they were back before they were diked off and drained. They're a different sort of wetland now. They're heavily impacted. Um, the one of the results of the decades of farming is that those organic soils essentially lost volume during farming. We lost about a foot of elevation each decade of farming. So the farms are actually now below lake level. And so that floodplain area that used to be higher than the lake is now lower than the lake. And so the key f really for the whole um, restoration was getting the North Shore soils wet and reducing the amount of water we pumped from the North Shore back to the lake because that water is what was carrying the excess phosphorus. So we've put a lot of effort on the North Shore and how do we move water around, manage it in different regions <clears throat> so we limit the amount of phosphorus going to the lake. One of the techniques the farmers started doing was treating those um, alum, the water discharges with alum which is a, a chemical that has been used for thousands of years to treat water. It's used at many water treatment plants, but it has a really high ability to bind sediments and phosphorus. And so we've continued the use that the farmers started. So that's been part of our project efforts to uh, reduce the loading back to the lake. I mean, what a success story and how privileged I feel to be able to listen to somebody who saw it when it was clearly impaired and who's really overseen the project and been such a part of it. Thank you for stopping in and sharing the story so our listeners can better understand our resources. And I think it's now a place people want to go back to. So thanks for all of your work in that area on behalf of all of our listeners. Yeah, thank you. It's a real privilege to work with such a dedicated team. It makes every day fun. I agree with that. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our conversation today with Dr. Marzoff. We hope you'll tune in for our next episode of Water Spout. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you have firsthand access to future content. Until next time, use your water wisely.
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Water Spout. To hear more episodes, find us on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Connect with the district on social media or visit sjrwmd.com for more information on today's topic.